0: Tobe Hooper was visiting his family in Wisconsin when he first heard the stories. There were terrible tales going around in that state about a farmer who lived off by himself, and that was a good thing, because this particular farmer was known for cannibalism, murder, necrophilia, torture. Rumors spread that he would make masks from his victims' skins masks that he could and would wear around the house. He would make chairs from the bones of the dead people. Terrible, terrible acts of disgusting hate spread through the state and ultimately the nation. Everybody heard about the farmer. So when Toe Pooper heard these stories, as just a young boy, he was terrified. This man who was already a legend, couldn't have been more real to the young boy. His mind was enraptured by him, consumed by the stories and by the fear. Eventually, he repressed these memories, hid them in his mind. The human brain can do amazing things, after all, and Toad Hoopers decided to forget. Partly. When he grew up, Hooper wrote and directed one of the most lasting movies in history. It started a whole new wave of slasher films and spawned its own never-ending series, a never-forgotten villain. Those nightmares that Toe Hooper experienced in Wisconsin were unleashed on the big screen in the form of Leatherface. The director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre only realized his inspiration after the idea was planted and the movie had been produced. At some point, looking back, Hooper noticed the similarities between his villain and Ed Jean, a lonely farmer in Wisconsin, arrested for murder, cannibalism, and acts involving dead bodies that you could never imagine. Featherface is not the only child of Ed Jean. His influence on American culture is most notable in the movies Psycho and Silence of the Lambs, where Jean was the inspiration for Norman Bates and then for Buffalo Bill. He also influenced countless movies whose plot lines were directly taken from his life, and even some songs whose dark tones owe tribute to his name. Ed Jean wasn't the most outspoken of killers. He wasn't the most showy or the most memorable. You've probably heard of people like Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy, a thousand times more than Ed Jean. But you might have heard about what he did. Certain aspects of these cases stuck around a lot longer than his name did. Gene was born in Wisconsin near the beginning of the 20th century. His brother was weaker than him, most reports say, and that may have been what made him so aggressive. His mother was obsessively religious, especially when it came to sex, and from an early age Ed Gene was taught that all sex, any sex, was very, very sinful. Maybe that's what started the interest. His father was an alcoholic and Ed didn't like him, maybe that's where he learned to hate. We don't know for sure what caused this man to go mad later in life, or even when he did go mad for sure. There aren't many definite dates in this story, and even fewer definite details. We know what happened after a certain point, we can only guess at why. His father died in 1940, then his brother died in 1944, and then his mother in 1945. Ed Jean was 39 years old and still very much attached to his mother in a way that was unhealthy. In the span of only five years, he'd gone from being Mama's boy, who was never allowed to leave the house except for school, to a man living on his own. He had lost all his family. And after his dad died in 1940, Ed and his brother started doing odd jobs around the neighborhood to help their mother with the cost of living. Maybe that's how Henry, the brother, met the divorced woman he planned on marrying. They were going to move in together around 1944, but Henry was worried about Ed. He was too attached to their mom, and leaving him alone with her was probably not a good idea. Henry tried to reason with him and began to talk badly about their mom. Ed did not like that. In 1944, just soon before Henry was supposed to move in with his woman, they had a big fire going in their backyard, burning some vegetation. And that fire quickly got out of control. firemen were recalled, everything was chaos and when the fire was finally put out, Henry Jean lay dead on the ground. The official cause was heart failure, according to the medical analyst. Coincidence, if you say so, I think we can all agree that this is a little more than suspicious. For nearly an entire year after that, his mother and Ed lived on their own. She was more than before the only influence in his life She was in control. And then she died. Ed Jean's large farmhouse began to fall apart as he lived inside. All of the rooms were locked, except for two. He slept in one and cooked in the other. Everything else was quiet, except for the ghosts of his past. Living in the house where he'd lost everything, Ed Jean began to lose his sanity as well. Losing his mother, the only female presence in his life, drove Ed Jean to replace her. At first, it was with the dead people. The house was empty and got lonely at times. Ed wanted to fill those once void rooms with new friends, new people. Trouble is, nobody really liked him. Weird old Eddie, as they called him, began an interest in the anatomy of the female body. He was intimately interested, feeding his knowledge with medical books, anatomy books, and even porn magazines. He began researching what the Nazis had done in World War II and some of their experiments, so he had an idea. We've all seen that section of the newspaper where obituaries are written out, with pictures of the deceased normally above them or beside them. Most of us skim through the section, or bypass that page altogether. Ed Jean, however, studied it religiously, because this section of the newspaper was like a shopping list for him. If he saw a person, a body, that he wanted, he would wait a couple of days and then go dig it up. This next part is not for the faint of heart, just so you know. This is your warning. From different cemeteries, he dug up female bodies and began dissecting them, if you can call it that. He would keep some parts, throw others away. Some of the skin he would stitch together or craft something around. He even draped their skin over his own body, Like he was wearing another person. This was how he spent his days in that lonely farmhouse, and this was how he found meaning in his life. Another one of his favorite parts was the sexual organs of females. I won't describe what he did, but suffice to say that it's bad. Whatever you're thinking of right now, it's worse than that. As you might have figured, these dead bodies became a little boring for ed Jean. for nearly a decade he was able to do whatever he wanted with whoever he wanted as long as they were already dead that wasn't enough though and if not for his uncontrollable lust ed Jean may have continued this horrifying practice unnoticed forever mary hogan disappeared from her tavern she was 54 years old at the same stage of life that Jean's mother had been when she died. That was December 1954. Nobody gave Weird Old Eddie a thought, and instead, they let the case go cold. For three years, there were no leads at all, until Bernice Warden, also in her late 50s, went missing from her hardware store in November of 1957. Two very similar cases. And still, Ed Jean didn't come to mind. His house was nothing more than a creepy place, the kind you avoid on Halloween, but marvel at at the same time. Bernice Wooden's son, Frank, was on the police force when she went missing. He'd grown up hearing the stories about weird Ed Jean, so when someone mentioned Jean was in town that same day, Frank took notice. Then a receipt was found at the hardware store, The last one Bernice had processed before she died. The customer? Ed Jean. Frank took precautions and had Jean arrested. Finally, he took action. Frank and the sheriff went out to Ed Jean's house and everything fell apart for the sleepy town of Plainfield. Bernice Warden was found strung up and headless. I have to imagine that was a terrible sight for Frank, to walk in on his mother, being tortured in such a cruel way. That head was later found in the kitchen, about to be mounted on the wall like a hunting prize. Her body, too, was gutted and butchered, as if someone had been dressing a deer. This is the most gruesome part of the episode, so I'm warning you again. There were so many other things inside the house, because Ed Jean, of course, had years of bodies. All those dead ones from the graves, as well as those two murders. Overall, there were an estimated 10 to 15 bodies, but nobody can say for sure, because, well, everything was all over the place. Human skulls were mounted on his bedposts. Skin was made into a lampshade. Skull caps were used as soup bowls. A heart, a human heart, was found in the kitchen on the stove. Mary Hogan's head was in a bag. A ceiling light bowl was created from human lips. A vest made from a woman's torso. A belt made of human nipples. Socks from flesh. Many shrunken heads used as masks. Several chairs were covered in human skin instead of fabric. There were other human body parts collected, but I'll avoid discussing those. If those blunt facts can't unnerve you, think about this. Nobody would have caught him if he hadn't gotten out of control. You might remember Leatherface as the chainsaw-wielding maniac who hung his victims up on meat hooks and split them down the middle with a chainsaw well Ed Gene may not be known for his chainsaw but he certainly had one and he had his share of meat hooks too Ed Gene created a woman suit as he called it that he could I quote become his mother literally crawl into her skin is that like Norman Bates sure Buffalo Bill sure Now you can see how he influenced all those characters. Instead of going to prison, though, Ed Jean lived out his days in a mental hospital. He was declared not guilty by reason of insanity, and eventually died due to lung cancer. His gravestone was chipped at and then stolen, before being recovered. Now it's in storage at the sheriff's department. His grave site is no longer marked but everybody knows where it is. At the end of everything, Ed Jean got exactly what he wanted. He lived his life in a hospital, and then he was buried. Directly beside his mother. This is the second episode in my series of serial killers. It was an idea brought to me by a friend on Facebook named Hansley. That goes to show you how much you can influence this show If you just get in touch with me, any means possible. Fear was written and produced by me, David Coomer. The music found online was from a free site called Incompetech, which I encourage you to check out because they always have the perfect song for whatever my podcast needs. If you're wondering about how and where I got all this information, you can head over to my blog, davidcoomer.com where you'll find links and a page that can take you all across the background of this podcast. Also, you'll find out how you can help support it. If you haven't heard, I also write books, which are available on Amazon, if you feel the need to read something and don't just want to listen. They're inexpensive, but they're thrilling, and I promise you, you will enjoy them. Please, 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 please. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving your review on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere else that you find and download this podcast. This helps me and it helps all the other listeners and might even bump us up the charts a little bit. If you have any questions, comments, or nasty remarks, those will all go to davidcoomer7 at gmail.com. I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can, which is probably going to be like in an hour. Because I'm always on the email there's lots of stuff you can find on my website so for real go check it out and as we always say here leave the lights on